Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with myself Chris Tuck and... Hello I'm Beverly Ann, lovely to uh, be here with you again Chris. I know but remember everyone we do this from a lived experience point of view but also from a professional standpoint as well because we are both professionals, people who work within organisations that help individuals that have gone through some kind of trauma and our expertise because of our lived experiences is all forms of childhood abuse yes exactly that and that's why we like to speak from an authentic point of view so it's an open discussion so if there's anything that people hear sometimes it's quite nice to hear oh you know you go through that as well you feel that you know because unless we talk about something how do we know what's normal and and, and what actually you know is that on what scale do I need to start to actually ask help about something or sometimes we bury it so deeply that we think oh no no I'm okay and then we hear something and then a few days later it's like oh actually now's the time I want to investigate that further personally Absolutely. So today we was going to talk about seasons and what that might bring up for victim and survivors, but we've changed our minds. So explain why we've done that, Bev. Because it was actually me who said about seasons and I had a reason about speaking about um, seasons and a, um, a personal experience. However, this morning I've been to the dentist. Now I've moved this year. Um, so new dentist and to some people that's not not an issue but for me it's huge I've had it takes me a long long time to build a relationship with a dentist but I got I'm too far away from my own previous dentist not only that um even now to talk about it I can feel my body is working hard to keep me quiet because <laughs> it is so challenging for me but it's building up that rapport again with the dentist with the hygienist that's two different people uh, but also them having an awareness of the impact of trauma so even though this morning it was a checkup I had x-rays I had um, mouth cancer checkup she didn't really do a lot um, but for me going there I was really calm made sure that I was grounded and everything had what I needed got in the chair but it's as soon as I lay back I can lay back I I do allow things to happen but the tears start to come out of my eyes so even now talking about it mm. I can really feel it yeah yeah. And that's with no treatment actually taking place. So obviously going to the dentist is very triggering for you and you have to deal with it. Prepare yourself before, prepare yourself afterwards. Well, not prepare, process. Process, and yes. Back. But the fact that you've had to, you okay? Oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Thank you for asking. The fact that you've had to go to a new dentist, new hygienist, it's about building the trust with those people all over again, isn't it? 
absolutely and and that also comes from from what we were saying earlier um so I had an experience about a year ago where I needed to go to a dentist um for toothache in the, my new area that I'm in so I went to one that was recommended yes as a professional absolutely lovely however she wasn't necessarily um working with nervous patients or trauma-informed was not part of what she offers in her service and that really showed it was also at the time when we were still being asked to wear masks all the time so I was having to breathe anyway so I couldn't wear a mask and uh, also for me on top of going to a, a new dentist they were all wearing masks and I find that particularly triggering myself there was also sit there I'm not saying they were doing anything wrong, but for me, being in that heightened and alert stage, it, there was nothing to reassure me and I wasn't allowed to have anyone with me. I'm proud to say today I did it on my own and that's huge for me to do it on my own and even to come out on my own and I walked home. So I'm only about 10 minutes and it's a lovely walk and it was lovely to be able to do that. So the adult part of me now and with all the self-care that I do, that is absolutely huge that A, I didn't pass out as I sat back up in the chair. I was shaky. I did have um, water and we talked. But to come home on my own was huge. So that's why today I've made sure that professionally there's nothing else in my diary. And today is about checking in with myself, grounding myself and just keep reassuring. But this is something that has been going on for years. And one of the things that, um, so I've had lots of dental treatment from a young child. So at the age of three, I had my first tooth taken out. And, and that comes from my parents being neglectful at that time. And then when I went into children's home, the, the great thing was that they gave us regular dental treatment. However, the impact of neglect and not and the trauma and everything else was that when I was going to the dentist, I was having to have teeth removed. So I had eight teeth in total as a child removed individually, but I was waking up with a gas. So the trauma itself from each visit it was I was going for the right reason and that's the trauma response that my body is trying to keep me safe but in addition the fact that I'm laying down flat the fact that I'm unable to get up although we we now have an agreement that they will let me sit up every so often um something that the no, uh, the dentist said today which was lovely she's actually got a different chair so the chair doesn't have any sides on it. So that when you lay down, you actually, and she pointed this out, which was so nice, you can actually go to the side and get off if you want to. You're not shut in. And, and it's all those different things. And that made a difference because obviously being a survivor of sexual abuse and freezing and not feeling that you could get out. Again, that's another layer. That's where it becomes layered in the response. I think... Victim survivors get this, but those out there that have not gone through the trauma, and thank God they haven't, but haven't gone through the trauma of childhood abuse, they might not actually get, get it. 
And it's the fact that when you're going through any kind of abuse, you, you're disempowered. You can't just do, you can't just get out. You can't just get away because of the situation that you're in. And I'm not gonna go into any details, but it's the situation that you find yourself in. You can't answer back. You can't do this, you can't do that. So it's very, very disempowering. So obviously you carry that through with you to any kind of setting like you've just ex um, explained, like the dentist, but it's other health professional settings as well where oh. any victim and survivor can be triggered. So we're just gonna touch upon other things like cervical smears, oh. other health checkups, um, having a baby. We, we spoke about that a lot in our pregnancy yeah. and childbirth videos, didn't we? But it's just to, to bring awareness of all of that, that we can find challenging, but then some victims and survivors don't find it challenging. No. But in the main, I haven't come across one victim survivor that I know that doesn't find any kind of checkup or invasion into their private space um, or being told what to do about their own body autonomy um, who wouldn't find any of that triggering I don't know anybody yeah and and this is why we wanted to speak about it so now I'm on something safe you can <laughs> I've got my voice back so this is why we wanted to speak about it because unless we're able to share these stories I used to think that I was the only grown-up going to the dentist that would cry and I'm not actually crying, it's the tears coming out. I can't can't stop them. Whereas it's only through having conversations with other people, it's like, oh, going for a smear. I mean, I don't know about you, but when a male when a male doctor walks in the room, and I, I don't I can't say I enjoy it when a woman doctor walks in either, in all fairness, I find it invasive. Um, but there's also that 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 um for me, I don't know about you, Chris, it's things being written down about you. It's that, in a way, judgment. Um, it's that uh, it's a, someone in authority who's writing things down to you, uh, about you. And it's like, is this true? I haven't felt that myself. Maybe I should but I've not felt that myself as in the writing. I just thought, well, just make sure it's accurate because <laughs> we all know that when we've accessed our records that as you pointed out, it's like, is it accurate? Is it truthful? How they see things is not how we see things. So yeah, carry on. Yeah, well, no, um, I don't want to over take the session because <laughs> it's You're about about us yeah. having conversation yeah but you know and that's where I've actually been watching Brené Brown quite a, a bit this week in preparation for today because mm -hmm. some of this was about the vulnerability the vulnerability that yeah. we feel yeah. when we're in any of those environments, environments yeah jinx. and situations yeah yes and it's it's also about having that courage to be vulnerable because the message that's going through neurologically in our body, our body's like, well, you're feeling vulnerable. Are you safe? Mm -hmm. And actually, it's that checking in, which is scary. Yeah. Um, that checking in, well, actually, yes, I am safe and I'm doing this. But even though you're telling yourself you're safe, it's being able to look after yourself afterwards. Because when we say about checking in and changing those messages, it can sound sometimes like, yeah, well, I've tried that loads of times and it doesn't work. Mm. 
And that's why having this conversation is great because our bodies in any of those environments feels unsafe for whatever reason. and We don't always know why. But that is why we need to trust the people that we're, we're being vulnerable with so that we can feel safe and that we can have these often life-saving checkups for many people. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it's and that's building. why it's important. But if you're going to get a professional that's going to rush through the appointment, uh. that's going to be dominant in the appointment, that's going to be condescending or I'm God, that doesn't sit well with victim and survivors on a subconscious level, not even on a conscious level. You can feel that vibe and you're going to go, whoa, actually, no, you're not for me and you're not doing nothing. Walk yeah. out, you know what I mean? And that's happened a few times with myself when I'm like, right, this ain't safe for me to go there. I can't share. And this is why many victim survivors, even if they go to their GP and they want to share what's going on for them, they know what's causing their symptoms is trauma from childhood abuse if that openness is not there on a subconscious level they ain't going to be able to do it absolutely and when we talk about trauma-informed practice and we see lots of professionals saying that I'm, I'm doing this trauma-informed I need to put something into place the one thing that frustrates me is let's do fundamental things about how about looking people in the eye you know if I walk into the room for any of these appointments and they can't even look me in the eye and they can't even smile and say hello or even if you say oh good morning you barely get a response back it's like and you now want me to trust you yeah 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 it's like, it's like can't... i can't even give you the time of day with with simple pleasantries how mm. are you gonna even open up to these people yeah and that's not saying that any of them i appreciate no. they're busy etc but yeah. that's that is the, the starting point that I'm looking for to communicate with yes. this person and 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 I'm actually like a child looking at you at your face because I'm trying to make that instant judgment am I safe with you yeah are you yeah. a safe person yep absolutely 100% yeah and this is why if someone practice an organization wants to be properly trauma-informed they need to know this stuff they can't absolutely. be rushing anyone through anything because of all of this stuff that is going on in the background they don't know it but we do absolutely but also body language yeah you know don't keep looking at the clock no. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um the the science yeah. you know if something isn't how they want it to look you know like the dentist you know i don't i do have periodontic um, issues with my gums so to some dentists it's not good but ask me about what I've done because actually it's a huge improvement to what it was yeah yeah but when somebody's tutting or like huffing and puffing it yeah. can only be the tiniest nuance I've got it I've you know we're, we're yeah. on hyper alert we've we've yeah. checked that already yeah and so, if okay. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, and if that person feels uncomfortable and they're not sure, then have someone else in the room. Yeah. Yeah. But explain. Yeah. And, you know, I've shared in some of the videos that we've done already that I, I am able now to have pre-conversations with health professionals if, for example, I'm having the smear or I'm having an operation and I'm able to say, 
I am a survivor. This is how I get impacted. Please, can you do this? Don't do this because then I remain safe. I, I then trust you and then you can get on and do your job. But if you don't do that, I will become triggered and I may walk out because I need to know exactly, you nailed it on the head. When you're vulnerable, you need to be feeling safe. And you're gonna, in most health appointments, you are gonna be in a vulnerable situation, whether it's mentally vulnerable or physically vulnerable or both. And they need to understand this and realize this. They, they, it, it just, if, you, if you're a trauma-informed practice or organization, this is the level you need to go to. Absolutely. And I remember years ago, so I've had episodes of since I've been an, an adult, I say adult, since I've been living on my own, of wanting to overcome this. And I've had, and it's part of my self-care. So there have been episodes when I've gone to the dentist and I haven't, then I've gone. And I remember when um, I went to a dentist and I'd been with them for some time and there was, my dentist was on holiday and I turned up and it was another dentist. And it was awful. I couldn't get out of that room quick enough. I couldn't get out. And I went home and it was the first time ever that I'd given information because I hadn't. I, I just thought it's a dentist. I, you know, I thought I was the only one. I was feeling shame, shameful, guilty. And I wrote this letter and, and said about what had happened. And actually, they were such a good practice, Do you know, because I was never going to go back. Mm -hmm. That was it. And I put, I'm not coming back. But whoever picked up that letter was absolutely amazing because she wrote a letter back and said, we are really sorry you've experienced that. We'd like to understand more. Can we have a conversation with you? We're not going to make you do anything. And they did. And after that, I ended up going back more. And they were lovely to be like, I'm not saying it was a pleasure. No, no. Dental work is never pleasant. But I went, I went back regularly and built yep. up that trust. And that was great because I felt heard. Whereas now, like you said, to be able to go into a practitioner and even have it written down. That's yeah, that's a great tool. Verbalize, yeah. Yeah. Written. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I you know, we've come this far. We can now verbalize for ourselves. Yeah. 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 But I think it's really important that you need to. You know, because these health professionals, they're not mind readers. They are overworked. They have Absolutely. only got a certain amount of time for your appointment. But if they want to get the best out of you and give you the best treatment, then there needs to be this understanding and a, and a workaround your your needs and your concerns. There just has to be. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, this is, you, I think you put it in, eloquently there because it's not necessarily each practitioner's you know fault at times but it's about asking some of the some of the story not all of the story they don't need to know everything but you know be aware you can see by my body language at times or your any of your other um people sitting in front of you that something's not right so how can you reassure absolutely yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. So what can people practically do to help themselves in any health appointments that they may have coming up? So we've already touched upon it, but what would you advise? Well, for me, um, 
going to a new practice, we'll start there, going to new practice, the first thing I look for, and I've got to register at new doctors, and I'm currently looking, is I want a trauma-informed practice. I want to have a look on the website and see if they mention anything about nervousness or trauma. I also want to see if they're approachable. Because if they're not approachable when I'm researching, then I'm not going to go. So these are little tips that I put in place. Then when I register, which I did with my dentist, I'm about to do with my doctor, I will then speak and say, I'd like to register with you. This is um, some of my um, some of the things that I feel that I need. Could you advise me which doctor would be the best one? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah, or even ask to see the practice manager. You can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's just finding that person that does want to like understand and help. We're not asking anyone to bend over backwards. We're not asking no. anyone to like, you know, give a special treatment or anything like that. It's just be aware because there are many victim survivors that don't go to any appointments just because, you know, I know quite a few women survivors that have chosen not to get pregnant and have children because of the whole situation, you know, and it, it, it's heartbreaking. And I know we're talking from a women's perspective, but I know there must be many men as well that find going for their treatments, you know, checking off their private parts for, for whatever condition like cancer, for example, they probably don't like it either. And they probably got their lived experiences to share. Absolutely. And the dentist, again, you know, I've spoken to quite a few people over the last year for different reasons. And the number of men I know that, you know, one man I know, he had all his teeth taken out and implants put in so that he doesn't have to go to the dentist. Wow. His fear. Absolutely. That's how big his fear is. And I said, I actually hear you. I said, if it wasn't for the fact of my gums being like they are, yeah. the impact... I'd, I would do I was actually asking that information so it's only when you start having these conversations yeah. and anyone listening now you think wow and and it is okay to ask for or take a take someone with you take yeah. someone with you as well yeah that calms you down yeah, yeah. Uh, another thing that I do is podcasts or not podcasts like meditation so I'll have in the, like one ear in with something that's gentle and calming so that I'm also listening but I've got something that I can listen to and I, my old dentist um what she used to do in the end you know when you're laying back you're looking up at a ceiling there's nothing more awful than that as a survivor yeah, yeah. so what she did after a conversation she put pictures up on the ceiling wonderful Amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so as simple. simple as that. Things, simple. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, uh, as I've shared before, it is because I'm quite okay in verbalizing my needs and what would trigger me, what won't. And um, I also, I'm like a bit like you. I get triggered by this being covered up because I read people I didn't realize how much I read people's faces until everybody started masking up and seeing people with masks on I they're unsafe for me yeah. I find it really unless I know the person I find it really difficult to even acknowledge them my own stuff but it's there it's reality 
And I also, if I do know the person, I'm like, I, I, if I can't read your lips, even though I'm not deaf, if I can't read your lips, I can't understand what you're saying because I read the whole face, the body language, everything as part of the conversation. And I think people need to understand that and, and acknowledge that. And I think that that insight is just being either not being understood or being completely ignored at the moment. It's, I think, a bit of both because yeah. that is a normal human um, way of communicating is being able to look at each other's face. Now, obviously, in some um, different parts of the world, you don't look at e don't look at each other in the eye. Um, of course, yeah. there are some things that we have to consider there. Yeah. But you know, when you think of us as babies. The mm. first thing a baby does to connect with another person is to touch a face. It's the first yeah. thing babies do. We we like to be able to, it's how we read yeah. the face. And also, we can't see if you're smiling or not just from your eyes. Yeah. And that's why when we're watching somebody, when they smile, we it makes us relax. Yeah. You know, when when you know when you're walking along the road, you smile at someone. It's very rare that person won't smile back. It's how we, it's the, the absolute basis of communication. So when we cover that up, we're taking away half the communication. So that's really common, regardless of whether you've been a survivor or not. Yeah, but it's also like when you're out and about, even before the mask came in, yeah? Yeah. Anytime someone covered up, like, you know, a scarf or they just had a hoodie on I wear hoodies all the time yeah. but it's just like I I I I can feel that people are apprehensive if I'm covered up like yeah and I am apprehensive and very aware and we and um wary wary yeah. of people that are not sort of like open yeah. um, around their face area around their head area and you know, there was a time when you couldn't go into a bank with anything on whatsoever because it just wasn't allowed. Yeah. And now, obviously, through masking and winter and when you know when everyone's cold, yeah. they're going. It it's just completely turned on its head, and yeah. I I just find it really really triggering. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing. That's why we have these conversations because, yeah. you know, absolutely, I I I hear you and. That's why I didn't like going in the supermarket one time, not because of the people. It's because yeah. seeing everyone masked up, yeah. I just wanted to get out. Yeah. Um, I'm sad to say we're, we're already over 30 no. minutes. <laughs> but can I just make one point, though? I also do know some victim survivors that found wearing a mask very comforting. Yes, absolutely. So, as equally as we found it quite... Yeah, and, and that... That's quite common as well. So yeah. it's about being aware of both sides. And that's what, you know, that's what we're trying to show. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, that's that comfort, isn't it? You're snuggling into it. You're you're in your cocoon. And anonymity. And keeping safe. Yes. And keeping it safe. gave some victim survivors anonymity, yeah. um, which they liked. Because, yeah. you know, um, I'm all shut down. Don't speak to me. And, and some found that really safe. But... And, and isolation 
Yeah, and isolation is one of the coping mechanisms as well, yeah. especially in moments of fear and trauma. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. There's so, so much to say, isn't there? <laughs> always. So we've just scratched on the surface. Okay. And as we yeah. always say, if anybody has got any questions or anything they'd like to add, please add in the comments, you know, email us. Chris, yeah. your last yes. thought before you finish. Um just always do right by you and whatever feels right for you please do it and please just be brave enough to share with those health professionals what is going on for you and what you need to stay safe and get that treatment whatever that looks like for you and for me before we go I just want to say um I'm actually really proud that I was able to share how vulnerable I was just a minute ago. Absolutely, because by being able to give it a voice, by being able to do that then and even now, you know, we're human beings yeah. and it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it is okay yeah. to express how you feel. Absolutely, yeah. All right, my lovely, so lovely right. chatting to you again. Yeah. And we will catch everybody in the next podcast. Episode 18. Okay, then. All right, then. See you later. Bye, Bye. everyone.